ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Yes, Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Day four on a 10-day contract, yo. Stephen A. Smith's going to join me in a minute. Bronny, tell me if Stephen A.'s ready to roll. Okay, good. Well, then he's not going to join me in a minute. He's going to join me right now. Stephen A. Smith on with Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Hey, Stephen A. What's going on, Scott? How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. What's going on? I'm jumping right into it, man. I watched First Take yesterday, and I know that sometimes there are very sensitive issues that you and I and a guy like Max Kellerman are not afraid to go get. Uh, What you said yesterday about Steven Jackson and his perpetuation of Deshaun Jackson's comments, you said, my problem is you're going to take away from the message that you were pushing before. You're going to distract from it. And Stephen A., I'm going to tell you something. 24 hours later, 36 hours later, even after that interview last night with Don Lemon, you couldn't have been more right, man. It was very uncomfortable to see. There's no question about that. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard to put into words where, how uncomfortable it was because, first of all, if you're going to bring up anything about the Jewish community and you bring, off, and you bring up Adolf Hitler, it better not be in a complimentary fashion. Um, and that's essentially the mistake that Deshaun Jackson made. And to his credit, um, once, you know, he was addressed about it, he, he immediately recognized um, how foolhardy it was for him to do that. Uh, but Stephen Jackson went on social media unsolicited, un- unprompt, and he decides to support uh, Deshaun Jackson, not just before Deshaun Jackson issued the apologies, but thereafter. And he, he hunkered down. And then when to, to do the interview with Don Lemon last night, and listen, I, I, I watch political talk radio because that's, that's just I'm a fan of politics per se. At least I used to be in terms of I love presidential debates and things of that nature. And I like to hear what political pundits on all sides have to say on both radio and television, progressive and conservative, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but to watch Don Lemon last night, uh, it was one of those moments where you could not have been more fair than Don Lemon was and tried to be to Steven Jackson. He gave him every opportunity and just threw him rope after rope after rope to get him to kind of understand, look, it's not about what's in your heart. We're not questioning that, but it's about what you said. Mm-hmm. It's about what you wrote, and it's about you explaining that portion of it. And it took Steven Jackson such a long time to get to that point that it was really cringeworthy to watch how things unfolded at that particular moment in time. And that's what made me so sad because I know Steven Jackson well enough to know he's a good guy. His heart's in the right place. He don't mean any harm to anybody. He's telling the absolute truth where he consistently pointed out that he's never hating his heart for anybody. He's not that guy. That's not who he is. He's really a good person and tries to be as real and authentic as he can possibly be. But there is such a thing as, as simply stepping out of your lane. And that's exactly what he did yesterday in regards to Deshaun Jackson. And especially it got exposed last night when he was on Don Lemon's show. 
and it was really, really hard to watch. I agree. I mean, Don Lemon did everything he could do to lead the witness into saying exactly what he wanted, and the witness was hostile at times by even saying to Don Lemon, I don't know what you're trying to do here, and Lemon came back with, look, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just trying to help you say you're sorry. You don't seem to want to be buying what I'm selling. What did you think of what Michael Wilbon said, which was that now Stephen Jackson, who became you know part of the face of Black Lives Matter and the message, uh, that that Stephen Jackson now has undermined his credibility. What do you say, Stephen A. Smith? One one thousand percent correct. Michael Wilbon was one thousand percent correct on that because see, there's one thing, and this is what a lot of people I believe need to understand: when you're protesting and when you're engaging in activism, it's not just about galvanizing the support of the community that you're trying to represent. It's about also successfully going about the business of ingratiating yourself with those you need assistance from in order to accomplish your ultimate goal. And that latter part is where Steven Jackson clearly fell off the wagon because regardless of what he says, all that goodwill that he had gone in and he had generated. Remember, this is not some naturally born activist that's been engaging in activism all his life. I'm not saying that he's never done anything because I simply don't know. But what I will tell you is that he's a former basketball player that was highly and is highly respected and considered a very, very good guy that's real and he's not fake. And all of those things are true about him. But when the George Floyd killing took place and it was a good friend of his who looked just like him, who said, you know, they joked with one another about how we got to get in touch with our parents because there's got to be some connection here with the resemblance that exists between the two of us, et cetera, et cetera, for all of that to go on. And then for you to be about the business of engaging in activism to address racial oppression, racial inequality, and things of that nature, to then turn around and to assist in alienating a group of people who are actually persecuted themselves, that is the Jewish community. There was a Holocaust. Six million people did die. There was genocide that was exercised against them, etc., etc. And on many, many occasions, they have proven to be a group of people who relate, albeit somewhat, if not completely, they relate to the plight of the African-American community. Yes, and sir. so That's to right. know that, to know to some degree about what their history is about, and to somehow, some way albeit indirectly, albeit unintentionally, to come across as somebody who was desensitized to their feelings, their beliefs, what they stand for, and what they endured, and to allow, in, and to allow that to happen, particularly in the midst of everything that's going on here. Stephen Jackson clearly undermined himself, because if there's anybody that's incentivized to, to provoke change at this particular moment in time, it would be him. It was his friend slash brother who had a cop kneel on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. It was his brother slash friend who, for the last two-plus minutes, was non-responsive when that cop refused to take his knee off George Floyd's neck. And so this hits home with Stephen Jackson to the point where he embraced uh, George Floyd's daughter, where he's taken her in, where he promised to walk her down the aisle one day, when she gets married and all of these different things. Think about what he's been doing over the last couple of months. Think about the level of activism that 
he's, he's engaged in and how he's garnered such goodwill along the way. And because you felt the need to respond to Deshaun Jackson's Instagram post, did it concern you at all? Did it involve you at all? Nobody asked for your thoughts on that. And you decided to ingratiate yourself into that. You basically have gotten in the way of everything you were setting out to accomplish. Because I can assure you, if Steven Jackson were to go to anybody outside of the black community right now for any kind of assistance in regards to whatever he wants to accomplish, which the entire black community appreciates, by the way, guess what? They're not going to want to hear from Steven Jackson about racial oppression and racial inequality and police brutality. They're going to want to talk to Steven Jackson about Deshaun Jackson's Instagram post and why he co-signed it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what they're right. going to want to talk to Steven Jackson about instead of what he was really after. And that's the shame in it all. Yep. And that's why I was excited to talk to you today, because I saw it on first take yesterday and I said, we're going to have a, an open, honest candid respectful conversation that maybe somebody else is going to take something from because that's what for me it's all about we're talking to Stephen a smith it's scott kaplan on 710 espn let me switch the subject on you real quick the the teams are showing up lakers are down at the bubble clippers are going to the bubble Kawhi's not going to the bubble yet do this for me make the case if i said to you the lakers are gonna win the west make the case why the lakers will win the west what do you say Stephen a Listen, I think the Clippers are the most complete team. They have more depth. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, I think collectively, defensively, they're better. I think their coaching uh, is extraordinary. All of those things are true. But this is basketball, and I happen to believe when you have two of the top five players on the planet Earth, it's going to take everything you've got to knock them off. And I believe LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be those two dudes. That's not to say that the Clippers, can't beat, the Clippers won't beat them or that they can't beat them. I'm just simply saying that if I'm betting my money on something, I'm betting my money on two of the top five players in the world because two of the three best players on the court are LeBron James and Anthony Davis, with Kawhi Leonard obviously being that other guy. Now, Paul George is a star, make no mistake, but I think that his injuries, uh, the inconsistency and the infrequency with which he's played and with which they've played with one another, combined with this four-month layoff, I think severely hampers their chances of capturing the championship this particular year because I think to some degree they've been compromised. Uh, that's not to say the same can't be true of the Los Angeles Lakers, but I'm betting on LeBron's 17 years of experience, his nine trips to the NBA Finals, the fact that in his 17th year in the NBA, he's still arguably the best player on the planet. And I'm looking at a guy in Anthony Davis that walks around averaging 26 and 9 and could easily be voted the NBA's defensive player of the year. Avery Bradley is a loss uh, because of his on-ball defensive prowess, but the combination of Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, and now J.R. Smith, I think makes up for a guy that was averaging eight points a game, in my personal opinion. And so because of that, when I look at the Kuzmas of the world and I look at KCP and others, I think that the Lakers, ultimately, it comes down to two against one. LeBron James and Anthony Davis versus Kawhi Leonard. With Paul George on the outside looking in, in terms of being the top four player on the court. And that's how I view it, and that's why I would give the Lakers the favorite. Although, I totally understand anybody who picks the Clippers, because it's pretty damn hard to bet against them. Stephen A. Smith on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Any concern at all, and maybe you know something, 
But Kawhi Leonard, when I hear this family matters, I get concerned because of the world that we're living in right now. And I see a bunch of baseball players not show up and people say, we can't tell you anything. Any concern at all about Kawhi? There's no, of course there's concern. When they won the championship last year, he only played 60 games. Now, to his credit, um, he didn't miss playoff games, and he averaged 39 minutes per game in the postseason. So we have to pay attention to that. We also have to pay attention to the fact that since the games are going to be in the bubble, there's absolutely no travel whatsoever, which can also be taxing on the body, and we can't ignore the possibility of that. So we got to give credit where credit is due in that regard and understand that if anybody can work around these conditions, it would be Kawhi Leonard. But the flip side to it is that in the end, um, you know, still in all, when you hear that he hasn't traveled with the team, it was an excused absence, family reasons, you can't help but lean towards injury because that's been the case with Kawhi Leonard the last three years. And that's what this comes down to, not just his last year in San Antonio, not just during the regular season last year with Toronto, but also this season with the Clippers. So all those things taken into consideration, you need to be concerned but again, we simply don't know. Stephen A. Smith on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. You know, I was telling everybody earlier that in 2011, when Kawhi Leonard was playing college basketball down at San Diego State, um, I had no sense that he could ever become the player that he has become. But I can remember a long time ago, like right before LeBron James was getting ready to come into the NBA, you and I being on air together and you telling me LeBron James will come into the NBA as a kid out of high school and will immediately be a top five player in the NBA. You knew the story. I was like, really, Stephen A? This guy's going to, this kid in high school is going to become a top five player the day he walks into the league? Dude, that was 17 years ago. Stephen A, you couldn't have been more right. And I just have to admit at some point that I'm not quite the talent evaluator that I think I am. Well, I just think that, you know, when you looked at LeBron James coming out of high school, he already had an NBA body. Um, he was a kid, but he looked like a grown man. He wasn't quite the 250, 260 that he is now, but he was at least 225 or so. Um, he was 6'9 with a handle. Um, he had uh, an aerial assault to his game, and he could pass beautifully, and his basketball IQ was off the charts. So you knew that just by watching him play, even as a prep player. And so to come on the NBA level and to have those kind of expectations, listen, I can be critical of LeBron James, uh, uh, you know, wet in the bed in key moments in the fourth quarter of NBA finals like he did against Dallas. Um, I could be critical of his sporadic free throw shooting, no question about it, or his playing around all of those initial years in Cleveland where he was so busy having fun uh, that, you know what, he should have held more guys accountable so they could perform at a peak level when you were chasing championships earlier on in your career. But there is no doubt that, in my estimation, he belongs in the Mount Rushmore of basketball, that he's one of the top three players in the history of the game, uh, that he's a three-time champion, he's a four-time league MVP. And the two greatest attributes about him are this. A, in 17 years, the only thing we could say about his character was, quote-unquote, the decision how he handled the party from Cleveland to Miami. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely positively nothing else that we could say about his character as a young man. He has been the quintessential role model, the closest thing to perfection as an iconic sports you know, brand that we may have ever seen. And we have to give credit where credit is in regards to that. And number two, at no time 
in 17 years did we ever look at LeBron James and say he's out of shape, he's not ready. The closest we ever came to that, Scott, was when he went on that, what is that, paleo diet or something like that, <laughs> and he had lost too much weight, mm-hmm. and he needed to take some time off to go uh, to, to go on the road and go away. I think he was back in Cleveland, and then he went to Miami for like a week or two during the middle of the season to sort of get himself together. That's the closest thing, and that wasn't for laziness. It wasn't for a dereliction of duty or anything like that. He tried to diet in order to get himself sharp, and the diet weakened him and didn't have him at full strength. So as a result, it drained him to some degree, and it compromised his greatness at that particular moment in time. But again, it wasn't intentional. He had actually was trying to do something to get himself in even better condition, and it just didn't work. So to me, when you are a superstar of that magnitude and you are that great and we're able to look at you and to say, A, your character has been sublime, and B, you never cheated us in terms of your preparation because you were always ready to go. You just can't say enough about it. All of these things to me get attributed to you as a great, great athlete and a great, great talent. And I've often said this, you know what? It's my job to go on the air and to try to be as objective as I possibly can be and all of this other stuff. But I truly, truly know and appreciate his greatness, and we will all miss him when he's gone. Stephen A. Smith, well said about LeBron James, and I'll, I'll, I'll add this just to close, which is my respect for him is this. Dude, he's got courage and, and isn't afraid to actually take a side. Um, we all watched that Jordan documentary, and everybody knows that Michael didn't want to ever you know, butt his nose into anything. He was busy playing and then gambling and golfing and doing his thing. But LeBron James has strong opinions and is, is I would say, courageous enough to share them in a world where you get crushed by 50% of the people, no matter what your opinions are. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I respect that part of his game too, dude. Well, that's you. Um, you and I slightly differ on that. I'm not saying that LeBron James doesn't deserve the credit, but I think Jordan is victimized too much by what he didn't do. Now, we have to understand something. Who knows what Jordan would have been if he had Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook and all of these things at his disposal where he could disseminate a message to tens of millions of people by simply typing up something, pressing send, and then going on his merry way. We don't know that. With Jordan, in order for him to speak, there was no social media. So he had to do interviews. He had to get in front of the microphone, particularly at that moment in time, et cetera, et cetera, in order for his message and the true intent of his words to be disseminated. Plus, he had to take into account the times that we were living in. Certainly, it wasn't civil rights, but understand, during the civil rights era, As hard as it was, what people, I believe, don't appreciate, Scott, is that it was actually easier in terms, in certain terms back in those days because the transgressions, the iniquities exacted against the African-American and other disenfranchised communities throughout this nation was so flagrant that you had no choice in most instances. You had absolutely no choice. They disguised it a lot better in the 80s, especially leading into the 90s. And as a result, he was going to be that first dude outside of Magic Johnson that really, really went mainstream. 
But Magic Johnson went mainstream and signed a 25-year, $25 million contract. Jordan was making about $100 million off the court. So you got all of that going on, and they're telling you, excuse me, this is what you can do. You can ultimately become an owner. You can ultimately have your own brand that's worth $8 billion for Nike. Instead of just talking about the transgressions that exist in our society, you can make inroads to changing that by being empowered with ownership, having the ability to hire and employ black folks all over the place. There was a different agenda, and I think that Jordan doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves for what he's done for the African-American community by virtue of his greatness, his intellect, and his willingness to go for what he went for. Without him, without Magic and guys like that, there would not have been a Kobe. There would not have been a LeBron. So that's how I look at it. It's not to say that they don't deserve credit, but oftentimes we look and we piggyback off of that to look at somebody like Jordan and say, well, he could have done more. I believe he could have done more as well. I believe if it were me, I would have done more because I would have spoken out more. But he had a grander plan. And when we see what he's accomplished in the end, owning an NBA team, the $8 billion Nike brand, and the multitude of black people he has employed and sort of paving the way for Madison Avenue and corporate America to further embrace black folks in the fashion that they did so the LeBrons and others could be created. There's something to be said for that as well. And Jordan deserves credit for that. He really does. Always strong opinions with Stephen A. Smith on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Stephen, thank you very much for doing this, man. I appreciate you always, brother. Thank you. Take care, man. No problem. Always. Right on, man. Stephen A. Smith giving the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So I blew up the clock. I mean, I just completely destroyed it, annihilated it. Just just blew it up. But Stephen A. is so compelling. I was sitting here in like a hypnotic trance listening to every word he was saying. Hey, it ain't game day, but you can still feast like it is. Meet Church's new five-buck campfire smokehouse chicken, our fan favorite with a new campfire flavor plus mashed potatoes and a biscuit. Church is bringing that down-home flavor. Offer valid at participating locations. Okay, look. I'm opening up the phones. 877-710-3776. 877-710-3776. You heard Stephen A. say he thinks the Clippers have the better team, but he thinks the Lakers will win the West. I'm looking for the Clipper fan. I'm looking for the Laker fan. I'm looking for a listener debate. But you got to bring it strong, man. Yesterday, the Laker guy was pretty good because he had some details, and the Clipper guy was okay because he came with emotion. But I, for, for you to win, if you're going to be judged by me and Bergman and Brawny, if you're going to be judged to win, you got to bring your A game. 877-710-3776. Listener debates. Who's taking the Clippers? Who's taking the Lakers? Next on 710 ESPN. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over 750 bucks on average. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Progressive Insurance. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN, if you're just getting with us. Stephen A. Smith was just here. And, uh, you know, when you're guest hosting on a 10-day contract, you're day four of 10 days, you try your best to kind of abide by the 
the house rules, if you will, you know? And then Stephen A is starting to go, and I can hear him starting to get heated up, and he's starting to use some really big words, and he's starting to get loud, and I'm picturing him just driving down the road, because if you heard at the very beginning, it sounded like he was getting into his car. So now he's driving down the road, he's on Bluetooth, he's going, and he's, and he's animated, and he's gesticulating, and he's doing all of these things. And I'm like, I can't stop. I mean, I am in a hypnotic trance right now. But I did ask Stephen A. I said, listen, make the case for why the Lakers will win the West or make the case for why the Clippers will will win the West. And he went on about how he thinks the Clippers have the better team. He thinks the Clippers have the better coach. But he says, really, you got two of the top five players on the planet in LeBron and AD, and those two guys, that's where... That's where you put your bet. You got two of the five. The Clippers have one of the five is what he was saying. So here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a couple of phone calls here. I need a Clipper fan on this side. I need a Laker fan on this side. And it's time for listener debates. 877-710-ESPN. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. All right, here we go. Representing the Lakers. Chris in Downey on 710 ESPN. What's up, Chris? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Listen to your show. Great show. Listen to it every day. All right, man. I appreciate that. Like I said, day four of a 10-day deal here. Were you just listening to Stephen A. Smith? I did. I did. And I actually wanted to comment something on that. He brought up some very valid points that I didn't really give credit to Jordan enough for in the past. I think so, too. He has become a very successful person, employed various uh, African-Americans. But one thing is that he has a platform now, and he chooses not to choose a side. So that's the only thing that I, I kind of wanted to comment on. Yeah, I think that, you know, listen, you, when you have a relationship with people and you get to know them better as people, you may have a different appreciation. I think that's where Stephen A. probably is with Michael Jordan. Um, you know, for me, I was like, you know, I love Jordan. I mean, and I watched that documentary. I watched every second of that documentary, and I loved it. But, but he was worried before that everybody was going to think he was a big jerk at the end of it. And very frankly, I did think he was a big jerk. Didn't change my love and respect for the guy. But I was pretty surprised by a lot of the things that I had seen from behind the scenes. Okay, let me go on to our Clippers representative. This is G in the Valley. G, Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Got to rep the Clippers right now. It's time to rep the Clippers right now. Okay, feeling you. Now listen, did you just hear Stephen A. Smith? I did. Okay. I, you, you know, were you with me? Because I was hypnotized. I was like, I can't stop listening. And I'm looking at the clock, and I know I got to go to a commercial. But, dude, I couldn't stop. That's where I was in all of that. I definitely enjoy what he said, but I was a little disappointed at what he said, too, at the same time. Which part? The part that, I mean, he thinks the Lakers are better. LeBron. Okay, wait. Oh, wait. You just want to jump into listener debates. Okay, you take the oh, lead yeah, here. Yeah. It's time. I'm ready. Okay, it is time. It is time. Here's G in the Valley, representing the Clippers, explaining why the Clippers will win the West rather than the Lakers. G, the floor is yours. Okay, I, I'm a basketball guy. I know my basketball. And LeBron, I will say, a tad bit better than Kawhi and Paul George. But after that, the Lakers have nothing. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't understand. We, we have two scorers on our bench averaging 20 points. So if, if Stephen A agree where... He said LeBron and AD, you know, are a better, better team. Then why didn't they win the first two games? Okay, there That's you go. Question. Okay, there's G. Now, Chris and Downey, your opening yes, thoughts here on the Lakers winning the West over the Clippers. What do you say? Well, the first two games, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're still getting to, our team is still getting to know each other. 
Uh, the coaching staff made very good adjustments throughout the season, and we were just hitting our stride, man. It pretty much kicked our butts this last game. What you got to say about that? I just G-Money? feel like when it, I just feel like when it comes to Clippers, we're just way too deep. And after AD and LeBron, guys have nothing. I mean, the coaching staff. I mean, got Doc Rivers. You guys are so ready for Vogel to make a mistake to put Jason Kidd in. I mean, we all we all see that. But it's just you guys have been doing so good, so it's not happening. But you guys don't really trust Frank Vogel. And, and we got Jerry West, who made your guys relevant, who made you guys relevant. We took him from you guys. So I don't understand. What else besides AD and, and LeBron do you have? And let me tell you this. game that you guys did win, don't quote me, but I want to say Avery Bradley was your third scorer. You know? so, All right, so, I mean, so we're breaking up a little bit here, G. We're breaking up. But, but Chris – Jump in here. He's pounding on you, frankly. Go ahead. Well, you know, we, we don't really have a third guy. Our whole bench is our third guy. So, you know, if one guy doesn't bring it, we have a whole line of guys that have been doing it throughout the season, picking up the slack, coming in, playing defense at that guard position. We have multiple guys at the one and two that have come in and hit big shots and played defense when we needed them to. And uh, we're right up there on offensive and defensive rating, uh, just like the Clippers are. All right, hold on a second here. I got... Chris and Downey representing the Lakers. I got G in the Valley representing the Clippers. Bergman, Brawny, you've heard both lay out their arguments. Who are you going to vote for? Uh, I, I got my Laker man right there. He's, he's playing defense. He's talking about the team in the right way. He understands the intricacies of the Lakers. Whereas, G, you know, like I love the fact that you got the first letter of my name, but the fact is you were coming at him with, with stats that just weren't even really there. It was, you were pl- trying to play some offense without much without much behind it. So I'm going with my, my, my Laker man. Okay, Bronny, what do you say here? I'm starting to notice something from Lakers and Clippers fans when they call in for these debates. The Lakers fans like to come with the stats and the analysis. Clippers fans just come in with straight passion and fire for their team. I actually like G today because he actually went at Chris, and he was right about that last game. The Lakers relied a lot on Avery Bradley for that win, and now they don't have him. So I'm going to give this one to G. Yep, me too. G, you got my vote as well. You brought a lot of passion. You were on the offensive the entire time. You pushed the action forward, and you're our winner today of Listener Debates on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Way to go, G. Way to represent the Clippers. Thank you, Max. Lift up. L.A. down. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that you don't need to win anything. I don't need to give you a T-shirt. I don't need to give you a ball cap. I don't need to give you a gift card right now. You know what that is? That's status, pal. People just heard G in the Valley represent on 710 ESPN, and he got what he wanted. He got some status. Thanks for the call, Chris. Thanks, G. Appreciate both of you guys. Okay, listen. Feeling great, fellas, starts with a great shave, and great shaves starts with Barbasol shaving cream. Barbasol shaving cream, an American classic for over 100 years. Barbasol shaving cream is available in five fantastic flavors to customize your close shave. Whether it's the classic original or sensitive skin, there's one for every face. Find your Barbasol, Bubba. Okay, one for every face, baby. You're looking good, America. You're shaving with Barbasol. Hey, coming up, the Lakers are going to the bubble. The Clippers are going to the bubble. The NBA is descending upon the bubble. I saw Joe LMB today from the Sixers show up in a full-blown hazmat suit on Twitter. You know that these players can put social justice messages on their jerseys. I'm going to try and figure out which social message, which social justice message I should put on my jersey when I go to the bubble. 
next. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. If you missed Stephen A. Smith earlier this hour, Bergman can tell you how to find that interview, but I'll tell you this right now. It's worth it. It's worth going back and listening to because not only did Stephen A. talk about Lakers' chances, Clippers' chances, how he sees it, his analysis, etc. And if you missed it again, he said, he, he, look, Lakers got two of the best five players in the world. That's where I'm going. Even though he said, I think the Clippers are better and they got the better coach. That's what Stephen A. was saying. So look, go back and take a listen because there's also a lot of conversation in there, a lot of passionate conversation about the Deshaun Jackson, Stephen Jackson, Don Lemon, Julian Edelman, that whole drama that I, I talked about earlier, and I'll, I'll probably get back to it at some point later. Bergman, how should people go and, and find these interviews? If you go to ESPNLA.com, and then if there's the drop-down menu from ESPNLA 710. There's a podcast button, and on that podcast button, you're, is, you're going to be in the best of section. All right, there you go, the best of section. How about that? Nice. Hey, um, as, as these teams now, though, are headed to Orlando and headed to the bubble, uh, you know, when the players come back and they start playing, they're allowed to, for a period of time, put social justice messages on their jersey, and as I understand it, in place of their name. So, for example, the Lakers' Danny Green is going to have the phrase, how many more? Because the NBA put out a, a list of what they would call approved phraseology. Uh, the, from the Magic, this kid Aaron Gordon, you know who he is? He has, he's going to put on the back of his freedom. Here are, guys, the um, suggested social messages, okay, for the back of NBA jerseys. Tell me what your, the back of your jersey would say. you got Black Lives Matter, okay? Uh, you got Say Their Names, vote i can't breathe yeah that's that's um that's heavy that that's that's real heavy justice is one peace i like peace i think peace is good but then i think of meta okay um equality freedom these are just individual words to replace your last name enough power to the people si se puede anybody uh liberation See us, hear us, respect us, love us. These are all really good. I have a question. Am I allowed to change my last name from social justice message, social justice, social justice message? One to, more time. Yeah. I want to know, can I change my name each night? Like, for example, I love this one. Anti-racist. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Bergman, you hear anything you like so far? Yeah, um, I am pretty partial to vote right now because that's how change can be made is everybody needs to get out and vote and that is the biggest and that's not just at the the presidential level that is at every single level to go out and vote for inside of your in your community inside your um inside your city state whatever it happens to be get out and vote and that's how change can be made yeah see i'm of i'm, I'm one of these change people who's like look right now when we talk about all of these things, and that's why this is a big story, that, that players can now replace their last name with a social justice message. And I can remember, I was in college, dude. This is a long time ago, okay? But I was in college, and I took a class. You guys, this is what football players are like, hey, take these classes. You know, they'll be good. And so I showed up for a class, and they, the, 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 uh, the academic support people told me, like, you should take this class. This would be good for you. You'd like it. The class was called Blacks and Jews. I walked into the class. I sit down in the classroom. The professor stands up and he looks at everybody and he said, okay, 
He said, everybody here in this classroom pointed somebody who's black. And all the white people in the classroom were like, oh, my God, this is so uncomfortable. And then we, we all pointed. And then he said, okay, everybody point at all the Jewish people in the classroom. And all the black people are like, um, is it him? Is it her? I'm not. And he goes, that's the point. See, don't you understand? That's the point. You, you can see the black. You can't see the Jew. And so when Stephen A. was saying earlier in this hour, you know, that that now is not the time for a Stephen Jackson to have these kinds of comments. Um, now is the time back to the original story for these sorts of messages to get out there. So Bergman, you're at vote. Brawny, do you have one that you like so far that would replace your last name? Like, I feel like for me that Bergman kind of stole mine just because I, I don't want to step on anybody's message. So I feel like for me, it would be vote because especially in my local community where I am in Santa Clarita, um, we just had a vote for one of our council members and I participated in that. And I think it's important, like Greg said, you have to participate and vote at every level you can because that's how change can be made. You go to Magic Mountain? Uh, it's been like 15 years. God, I want to go so bad. I've never been. I love roller coaster parks. Whoa, whoa, wait. You've never been to Magic Mountain? Never been to Magic Mountain. I mean, I guess you're down in San Diego. That's a bit of a drive, but yeah, I mean, that's that was a let, let me let you guys in on a secret. I don't think you're missing much. Really? Really? I mean, I, I can mean, tell you the roller coasters at Knott's Berry are really good, so that's a lot closer for me, but I, I really would like to go to Magic Mountain. I mean, the roller coasters, at least from the freeway, they look bomb. Scott, I live five minutes away, and I haven't been in 15 years. That should tell you something. Um, yeah, I mean, it tells me you don't go. That's what it tells me. <laughs> That's exact. <laughs> That's all it says to me, too. <laughs> I mean, I can't go anymore. I got that stomach that says, nah, you're not going on any of these rides. But besides that, I, I used to love it when back in the day. I got to tell you, I would like to go. I haven't been in a really long time, really long time. So let's see here. I'm just seeing a tweet from LeBron James. Just left the crib to head to the bubble. Then he has a, a, a curse word here that I, I, I almost got Ron Burgundy into reading live on the air. I'll just replace the word with damn. Felt like I'm headed to do a bid, man. FR, I don't know, man. I don't know, what this, I don't know what this tweet means. Does anybody know what LeBron's latest tweet means? Maybe I'm not. Maybe, maybe, I, don't, maybe I don't get it. I mean, I got to figure it out. But he's taking off. LeBron is out. Leaving the crib, heading to the bubble. That's just it. And when you get there, I think for me, I'm going to put the, the word peace on the back of my NBA jersey because I think that's what we need right now. That would be my message if I were an NBA player. That would be my message. Peace. Just like that. There you go. Okay. Um, coming up. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on ESPN Radio appear via the Shell Pennzoil performance line. I've got on the way... John Clayton is going to be here. Long time NFL insider for ESPN. Now does radio in Seattle for ESPN 710 in Seattle. I'm going to get to John Clayton right around the corner. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Coming up. Masvidal versus Usman, the star versus the champ. I'm going to get to that story on the way. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. What is going on, L.A.? 
Southern California and beyond listening worldwide on the app. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. So big fight coming up this weekend. And I'll talk to you guys a little bit more about this later on because I'm in a total personal dilemma when it comes to this fight on Saturday night. And um, there's a part of me that's like, no, the world stops I got to see this fight. I got to see Masvidal Usman. I got to see Fight Island. I got to know what's going on in Abu Dhabi. I'm cool. I'm watching all these videos on YouTube. I'm seeing all the behind the scenes embedded vlogs on YouTube. And I want to see this fight. And I love this Masvidal character. And I can't wait to see these two guys fight. But I will say I do have a personal dilemma. And I, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about that. I'm going to have to... In fact, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to do it right now for a quick second. Here's what I'm going to say to you. You ready? My girlfriend wants to watch Hamilton Saturday night. We haven't seen it yet. I didn't have the fight like on my calendar. I mean, it was on my mind, but I didn't have it on my calendar. And she said, hey, let's watch Hamilton Saturday night. And I went, yeah, that's cool. And then I went, oh, no, no, no. Can't do that. And I haven't alerted her yet. And so um, I, I got to watch the fight. I can't. I can't listen Hamilton. You can get another time, right? I got to watch this fight. So personal, personal situation here, guys. What are you, are you guys watching the fight? Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to turn it on. I'm a little bit disappointed that fight Island is not an actual fight Island. And there's not like 15 people running around an Island and fighting each other. You're, you're last you're, man standing. You're hung up on this, that it's, that yes. it's, that it's not literally an Island. Bergman was, was like expecting like it was blood sport out of the 80s where it was this isolated location in this really weird uh, like just fight tournament like the Kumite or something. Right. It's, it's Lord. It's Lord of the Flies in real life. Like it's, it's something that needs to really happen. Just let them all go at it. And last man standing is the winner of Fight Island. He's the king of Fight Island. So I have a question. Why don't you rather than get disappointed with Fight Island as Fight Island is Fight Island currently? Why don't you go make a reality TV show where it's Fight Island and it's 15 guys and it's a you know, loser leave town match, last man standing. It's a, a battle royal and just do a reality show. And it's just like 15 guys get dropped on an island. They beat the hell out of each other. The last guy standing gets to leave. If I had the amount of money that Dana White had, then I'd be all about it. Well, I want to see this fight Saturday night. So no offense. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna, I'll no, no, catch Hamilton. I will catch Hamilton at some point, but I think I got to go with the fight. So I, I mentioned this to you earlier this week, but I'm not going to assume that everybody has listened to every minute of every show through here we are, the fourth day of a 10-day contract. I told this story earlier this week, but I want to I bring it back for those of you that may have missed it. This past year at the Super Bowl on Radio Row, I called it Podcast Row because I wasn't on radio. I was only on podcast, so I was trying to change the terminology, but I was the only one using it, so it didn't really work. But this year, when I was on Podcast Row, I had this guy... Masvidal sitting there with me for like 35 40 minutes and he was just going off on how much he loves violence and how eventually he's going to tear this guy Usman apart and um, that's the fight that people wanted to see but Usman was scheduled to fight Gilbert Burns Burns tested positive for COVID UFC said well wait that's the fight everybody wants to see Masvidal says yeah I'll take it jumps on a plane from Vegas going to Abu Dhabi Decides to stop in Rome to get a pizza because he's only got to lose 20 pounds by tomorrow's weigh-in. So I, I find him to be sort of the, the next Conor McGregor-esque kind of character. Not quite 
the showman that Connor is, but equally as interesting to me. So Masvidal sitting there with me on Radio Row. I called it Podcast Row. Uh, he's sitting there with me in Miami. And here's, if you can, Brawny, play for everybody. What Masvidal told me he wanted me to tell Usman when I eventually chatted with him. Play it. Yeah. Look him in the eyeballs and tell him. This is what Masvidal told me. Don't kill the messenger, my brother. Masvidal told me like this and to imitate him as much as possible. He wanted me to tell you he's going to embarrass you. And tell him just like that. Look him right in the soul and tell him he's going to embarrass you. And he just wanted me to tell you that. Because I'm not a guy that uh, if I make a pool shot and I didn't call it, I don't keep playing. I, I call every pool shot of mine. Just like I've called the whole 2019, if I get in the cage with that individual, I'm going to show the skill disparity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the 50 points on his face. I'm going to put eight touchdowns in his face, and he's not going to score nothing. And I say this with a lot of conviction because it's going to happen, my brother, and his face is going to be my canvas. So just tell him that, please. Okay, his face is going to be my canvas. So just tell him that, please. Please, would you do me the favor? I want you, Scott, yeah, I want you to get Usman over here, and then I want you to look him in the eye. I want you to look him deep in the soul, and I want you to deliver the message. Hey, don't kill the messenger, please. But just deliver the message, if you don't mind. I'm going to embarrass you. Your face is my canvas. You know what? That that puts me in a very uncomfortable position. I don't. Do I have to deliver this message? But I felt compelled to do it. So... Usman comes and sits down and I say to Usman, hey, listen, just so you know, Masvidal told me to tell you don't kill the messenger, but he's going to use your face as his canvas. And then I say to Usman, what do you say? If you've been doing this for 16 years, you've been doing this for 16 years. You would think like, hey, this is what I need to do to become champion. You would figure out what you need to do. 16 years is a long time for you to not figure out the right things to do to become champion, if that's who you really are meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not meant to be. Some of these guys don't have the heart to be champion. They, you know, they, they talk a big game, but once mm-hmm. it's all on the line, when you need to be that guy to take that shot to win the game and put you set you guys up forever, like, some guys just can't pass. step up to the place. They yeah. pass. You know, they mm-hmm. find a way to lose. They find a way to, to, to self-sabotage themselves. And that's not me. You know, I'm a competitor. You know, whether I was trained in wrestling or, or, or whether it was football or whether it was rugby or whether it was tennis, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, I have a, a champion's mentality. So when I step in there, I'm going to win at all costs. And these guys just can't get there. See, then as soon as these two guys, as when Masvidal told me to tell Usman what he told me to tell him, and then once I told Usman what Masvidal told me to tell him, once I got in the middle of this whole thing, within minutes, these two guys come face-to-face on Radio Row and almost come to blows. So I'm really in on the fight on Saturday night. I can't be in on, on, on Hamilton on Saturday night. Coming up on 710 ESPN, long-time ESPN NFL insider, John Clayton will be here. I need to talk to John Clayton about this. Are NFL players the next pro athletes who are going to be asked to take a pay cut? I got to talk to him about Patrick Mahomes and his contract. J.J. Watt says that you know he's not sure that he wants to play. NFL insider John Clayton next here on Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN.